Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to have you here. We finally, I don't know about you, but my grass has finally started to turn from yellow back to green uh, because we finally have had some moisture and all that stuff. So that's been really, really good. Uh, but uh, I just want to say welcome to all of you, no matter who you are, why you're here, how you came here. Uh, maybe you don't even know why you're here. I, I know I meet people from time to time and they say, I don't even know why I'm here. I just feel like God needed me to be here today. No matter what brought you here and whether you're in the room and I can see you and you can see me or you can see me but I can't see you you're online audio or visual uh, no matter why you're here how you're here thank you for being here we're so glad that you're here welcome to Northridge Church and uh, thank you for joining us here today so uh, we want you to know something that's important to you but we want you to know it's important to us as well and that is that this is a safe place for you. It's a safe place, a safe church, a safe community, no matter where you are in your journey with God, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, kind of new in your faith, or maybe you're here and you'd say, I don't even know where I'm at with God. I don't even know what I think about God at this point. I'm not even sure if I believe this thing called the Bible yet. Is it okay if I'm here and I'm not sure if I believe yet? And my answer to you is an emphatic yes. Where else should you be? This is a great place, and we're so glad that you joined us here, no matter what brought you here. So thank you for being here. So I want to start today by sharing uh, uh, four pictures with you, and, uh, and you're going to understand why I'm sharing these with you in a moment once we get into it. But I want to share you, go ahead and put that first picture up there. So take a look at this picture. If you were to make an assumption as to what this is, what would you say? All right, just think about that. What, what, what do you think that is? Planets? Maybe some celestial body somewhere else in the solar system, the universe somewhere? Right? You would probably make that assumption, and, and that would be wrong, because what this is, is this is the bottom of six frying pans. <laughs> Isn't that so cool? <laughs> yeah, if you look at the bottom of your frying pan, I don't know if yours looks that way, but that's what that is. Isn't that crazy it's so weird all right let's go to the next one this one you might assume is like a fancy apartment but that would be wrong what do you think that is anybody you might get this one right away pretty quick anybody know what that is it's the inside of a guitar isn't that cool that's, I think that that's one of the coolest pictures I've ever seen. Like, and, and whoever set up with the light coming through the hole in the guitar is just, anyway, that's just awesome. So if you, you might assume like this is, not it's the inside of a guitar. All right. Okay. Let's go to the next one. This one's really cool. This one looks like it's a picture. You might assume that this is a picture of the planet or a planet or that it's water of some kind. And you'd be not totally wrong if you guessed water, except that this is frozen water. It's ice and frost on the hood of a blue car. Isn't that cool? Perspective changes everything, doesn't it? And that's just so cool. So our assumptions, we could assume one thing, uh, totally wrong. All right, and then let's go. This is the last one. Now you kind of know where I'm going. So you might think, okay, this looks like it's like a microscopic view of like concrete or wood or dirt or something like that or some other kind of substance. It's just taken really, really close up. You might make that assumption, but what if I were to tell you that that assumption would be wrong again? This is actually from very, very far away. It's an aerial view of the very packed 
high population density city of New Delhi, India. Crazy, isn't it? By the way, we can count our blessings here in America, can't we? Talk about packed together, like there's no space to breathe. Assumptions. We make assumptions all the time. Things that we think are true, things that they seem to be true all the time, don't we? We make a lot of assumptions as human beings. I know I do. And so today, I want to continue this series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Different for a Change. What we're simply doing is we're asking the question, how does God want us to be different if we are followers of Christ? If we are followers of Jesus, what should it look like? What should we be doing differently than we normally would be doing? So we're asking that question. And what we're doing, all of our topics, we have 12 different topics. And these 12 topics came from, a lot of you already know this, but they came from my dad. My dad, several months ago, wrote down a list of things that he titled, Things I Would Do Differently. And then he wrote 12 phrases, really powerful phrases, 12 things I would do differently. And so we talked about the first one last week. Today is the second phrase. And the phrase is very simply this, assume less, learn more. Powerful. If there was not a more timely opportunity to learn this phrase coming out of COVID and the upheaval of politics and all the issues that we dealt with this last year, I don't know a better time. Assume less, learn more. All right, so if you like to follow along in your own Bibles or on your phone Bible app or anything like that, yes, it'll be on the screen as usual, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. So we're going to be in the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 9. So go ahead and kind of get that ready to go if you'd like to follow along. Luke chapter 9. But let me kind of set up the context for the story that we're going to be kind of hanging out with this morning. So the context is this. Jesus and the disciples are exhausted. They're just spent. They've been doing ministry. Jesus has been doing miracles and healing people. He's been teaching. The disciples have been helping Jesus. They've been going out and doing all kinds of amazing things. And they are tired. Anybody relate to Jesus and the disciples here today? They were just exhausted. And so Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we all need to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which was this huge lake in Israel, and they've been kind of on the populated side. They've kind of been doing ministry with tons and tons, thousands of people. And so Jesus says, we need a break. And so he says, let's get into this boat. And so Jesus and the disciples get into this boat and they go to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, this big lake, to kind of get to this remote wilderness place. They're trying to get away from people. The problem is the people really want more healing and more miracles and more all this stuff. And so they figure out where Jesus and the disciples are headed and they start working their way around the lake. And guess what? They get around the lake about the time that Jesus' and the disciples get to the other side. And the scriptures tell us that when they got there and Jesus saw the people, Jesus looked at them. And this is what it says in God's word. It says, Jesus had compassion. In other words, Jesus was exhausted. He had an empty tank, but he served anyway. 
And so that whole day, Jesus and the disciples, they did healing and they, they did teaching and they did all kinds of things where they're helping, they're serving thousands of people on the edge, on the shore of this lake in this remote wilderness place. And where I want to pick up the story, it's at the end of the day. They've been doing this all day out of an empty tank. And I want to read for you what happens at the end of this busy day. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him, came to Jesus and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. Again, they went to the remote place because they were trying to get away from people. But Jesus said, I love this, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Again, they counted the households, not maybe every person. So there are men, women, and children, but they were no, we know that there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I love leftovers, by the way. So the question I have for you is this. What does this story teach us? What does it tell us about how we can assume less and learn more? Because when you think about phrase, that phrase, assume less and learn more, it really is talking about growth, isn't it? It's talking about you and I and how do we get better? How do we grow? How do we learn? You can't really grow without learning. You can't really learn without growing. They go hand in hand. And so what, are we, what, what we want to talk about today is how do we grow in our faith? How do we grow as humans? How do we grow in life? How do we get better in life on a regular basis? And so I want to give you three things that I think this story tells us. Now, I've preached out of this story as you guys, if you guys have been to Northridge for any length of time, you know I've preached out of this story at least probably three, maybe even four times since we started Northridge years ago. So I've preached on the miracle side of this. I've talked about how God is a generous God and when we offer and gener are generous with him and, and with our stuff, that he will take it and he's generous back and he will multiply it and in different ways. It may not even be in the same way, but he will multiply. He's a generous God. I've talked about all of those things. But today I want to talk about how does this teach us to grow in our faith? How can we learn more about who Jesus is and who God is, all right? So number one, if we're going to grow, if we're going to get better, if we're going to learn more rather than assume more, the first thing we need to do is we need to challenge our assumptions. You guys can tell this is going to be a fun one, can't you? We have to challenge your assumptions. I have to challenge my assumptions. So let me go back to the story and read the first part. 
Verse 12, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a weird response to, hey, Jesus, you know, and and I don't know if you caught this, but the disciples, I think that this is less concern that the disciples have for the people and more they're tired, they're hungry, so let's get rid of the people so we can eat, right? I I don't know that for sure, but it just kind of comes across to me that way. Like, Jesus, this has been a great day. Let's land the plane, (laughs) right? Jesus, can we be done so that they can get something to eat and so that, by the way, we can get something to eat? Remember, we came here to rest and we haven't done that? And so they're kind of like, hey, there's a lot of assumptions going on here by the disciples, aren't there? For example, they are kind of assuming it's the end of the day and Jesus is probably getting ready to wrap up. They were wrong. Jesus is nowhere near wrapping up. Now you know where I get it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just trying to be like Jesus. No, but Jesus is not ready to wrap up. He's like, things have not stopped yet. We are not done here yet. The disciples are assuming that we're landing the plane, and Jesus says, nope, we're not. There's also an assumption that there's no way, the disciples are assuming that there's no way they can solve the hunger issue in this moment with what they have. They know they have five loaves of bread and two fish, five Happy Meals and two filet of fish sandwiches. They don't even have fries or Coke or anything. Like, Jesus, we can't feed 5,000 people, men plus women and children, with what we have. They are assuming there's no way to take care of this problem in this remote place. They are making an assumption. We can't do this. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. Jesus, send them away. They're making a lot of assumptions. And Jesus, what does Jesus say? You feed them. (laughs) I can just imagine that some of the disciples probably had, like I'm sure that some were like awkwardly smiling, like that was funny, Jesus. Oh, wait, I'm not sure if that was funny. Like you're serious. I'm sure that maybe a couple of the disciples, depending on the personality, maybe laughed out loud. Like funny, Jesus. No, really, what are we doing? No, you feed them. What is Jesus doing in that moment? You know what I think he's doing? I think he's challenging their assumptions. Jesus knew what their assumptions were. He's like, no, we're not ready to land the plane. No, yeah, we don't have enough food, but just watch what we can do. Jesus says, you feed them. He's challenging. He's he's testing their faith, their resolve, their assumptions in this moment. He's saying, you want to assume something? Let me blow that out of the water. And so Jesus shows us what we need to do in our life, that you and I, we need to challenge what we think is true about ourselves, about things going on around us. Jesus wants you to challenge your assumptions. So maybe you're sitting here saying, well, okay, how do I do that? Can I offer one? I could give you probably, that's like a whole nother series, right? To challenge, like how can we challenge our assumptions? But let me give you one, just one simple suggestion. Start asking questions. Questions are one of the best ways to challenge your assumptions. 
So for example, let me just throw some possibilities out there. Maybe you start putting a routine in your life. Maybe it's every three months. Maybe it's every month. Maybe it's every six months. Maybe it's once a year and you spend like a whole day and you're just going to ask yourself these deep, very serious questions. Like, for example, how did I do this last year in life? What mistakes did I make this year? Here's a better question. What mistakes did I make this year and I didn't learn from them but should have? Spouses don't start looking at each other. (laughs) Questions, what questions do you need to start asking yourself to challenge what you think and how you're doing in life or not doing in life? Because sometimes we don't like to sit back. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you love to evaluate your own life? You just love to sit back and be like, man, how am I doing? Ooh, I remembered I said that yesterday. That probably wasn't. How many of you just love doing that? I don't. You know why? Because then I have to deal with the truth. I don't want to have to deal with the truth. I just want to turn on the TV and just act like everything's good. It's easier. In fact, let me suggest a way to get really intense with this. Here's another suggestion. Let's have other people ask you questions about your life. Oh, that's going to be fun, right? Let's invite two, three other people and and have a sit down where they ask you deep, penetrating questions about how you're doing, about how you're treating somebody or whatever the case is. And they can they can ask you. In fact, um, let let me share this. This is cool. I was listening to a podcast by uh, Gordon McDonald. He was uh, he's like 80 years old now, and he was sharing his insights, really powerful stuff. And he was talking about how the Quakers, this group of people called the Quakers, have uh, this thing called a clearness committee, a clearness committee. And the clearness committee is very simply this. It is when a group of people come together around one person, and this person, you know, specifically, it's like focusing on that one person. And the, there's kind of like two main rules. One rule is you can ask anything you want right? They can ask any question they want of this person. And again, this person is trying to find clarity. They're trying to find truth in their life. And so you, the, the people there, they, you know, they have to be able to trust each other, but they can ask any question they want. But then the second thing, they cannot criticize the person. That's key. They can only ask questions. They can't say, and, and by the way, they can't like sideways ask a question. Do you think maybe you should have done this at this time? That's criticizing, right? No, asking open-ended questions where they simply answer truthfully. Some of us, I would contend, we need a clearness committee in our life. We need somebody or a group of people that are very well known to us and they know us well and we can trust them And we invite them to come in and ask us important questions. By the way, don't get the yes people in your life. I've mentioned this before. If there's somebody that you're like, ooh, I love hanging out with that person. Oh, man, they always, like, they affirm me and they just kind of, oh, it's just good. That's, that might not be the right person for this. In fact, let me say this. If there's two or three people in your life who you cringe a little bit because they always say that thing that you're like, ah, I know it's true, but I want to be defensive about it. Those are the people you probably want to invite. 
I'm not saying the people that are bullies, that they're mean to you. No, don't invite them either. But the people who are going to be honest, we need to challenge our assumptions. So I remember when I was in college, uh, I went to college to be a teacher, to, to work in public school. And so a lot of you know that. So at the end of my college, you know, my last semester in college, I was a student teacher, which basically means I'm still a student in college, right? But I'm the teacher. The teacher literally hands everything over and says, you're teaching the class. You're designing the lessons. You're doing the discipline. If somebody gets into a fight, you're breaking it up. You're the teacher. And literally, the the teacher was supposed to stay in the room, but can I give you a secret? (laughs) When I was a student teacher, they were rarely in the room. They were like, I'm out. Have at it. Right? They'd be in there some, but they'd take off. And so I'm the teacher in the room. Now, two things that I had to do when I was a student teacher was they required me to video record several of my lessons. I had to video record me teaching, and then I had to watch it and evaluate it, and others evaluated it. How fun was that? How many of you like seeing yourself on camera or hearing your own voice recorded? It is awesome. No, it's not. It is so, I'm serious, it's so bad. You look at it, you're going, man, I'm an idiot. Wow, I said that. Wow, what was hanging out of my nose, you know, or whatever. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was they, they had, we had to invite seasoned, experienced teachers in to observe and then ask me questions about why I did certain things. To evaluate me. Wow, how fun was that? Not fun. But the truth is, why is it not fun? It's because I finally had to face who I really am. I had to face my assumptions. I may have gone in and said, man, that was the best lesson ever. The kids were engaged. They walked out. They know more history than they've ever wanted to know because of my great teaching. I could have assumed that. And then I see on video and I'm like, wow, I'm really bad. And then somebody else, a seasoned teacher comes in and says, hey, why did you do this? Did you know that it came across this way? I didn't even know what you were talking about. It's not fun to face our assumptions. But if you want to grow, it might be one of the most powerful things you will ever do. If we just played a video of your life, especially when nobody else is around, would you be okay with what it looked like? Challenge your assumptions. In fact, let me just challenge your assumptions for a moment. I want to ask you a few questions. Over this past year, how have you done at treating your spouse, your husband, or your wife? How well have you loved them? Over this past year, how did you do at reading the Bible? Or listening to the Bible, if you like the audio version. Some of you, I know, you like to do that. You've told me. I've I've heard you. Have you read the Bible more this year, less this year, about the same this year? Was it enough? How have you done with posting on social media this last year? 
When you posted on social media, were you talking at somebody, talking to somebody? Were you posting about somebody? Let me ask you this. Was it really helpful to you and to other people, or was it actually just more hurtful? How's your prayer life? How often do you go to God and just sit in his presence, talk to God? How often do you do it? Do you do it enough? When you do pray, do you spend all your time talking at God or do you have moments in your prayer life where you just sit and you listen? You see how questions can penetrate our assumptions? It's not to make us feel more guilty, but it is to show us the truth. Questions can show us the truth like nothing else can. So the first thing I would suggest is, just like Jesus did, challenge the assumptions. And one way to do that is asking questions. In fact, uh, Miguel Ruiz said this about questions. He said, we make all sorts of assumptions because we don't have the courage to ask questions. We don't like to ask questions. We don't want other people to ask questions because we don't want to face it. We don't want to face the answers. But I would suggest that one of the most powerful things you can do in your life is to ask yourself or have other people ask you questions. All right, let's go on to the second one. If we want to grow, if we want to assume less, if we want to make less assumptions and learn and grow, the second thing, and this is going to sound so crazy simple, but it's probably the, maybe one, it might be the hardest one for some of us. Start now. Don't put it off. Isn't this one of the hardest ones? If there's anything in life that you know you should do, if there's anything in life that you know, like I should have been doing this long ago, what is the hardest thing for you to do with that thing? Starting. Making the change. If there's a habit that you're like, I need to get rid of this habit, one of the hardest things to do is to get rid of it. If you know you need to start a habit, one of the hardest things to do is to start it. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you have said, I need to probably get to bed a little bit earlier so that I can get up earlier, right? How many of you have said that to yourself? Now let me ask you this, how long have you said that? Years. (laughs) Instead, what do we do? Netflix. Just one more. It's one o'clock in the morning. Oh, so good though, one more. All of a sudden, it's three in the morning, right? And it's like, ah, our world just drags us out of the things that we're supposed to do. The hardest thing is to start now. Can I offer you a suggestion? The best time to change something that you know you should change is always going to be right now. There's never going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be a good time. It's never going to be like, the stars are aligned, now I can go to bed earlier. No, the time is now. Like, start now, today. And Jesus actually kind of gives us this in the story. Listen, listen to what happens. Go back to the story, verse 13. This is right after Jesus says, you feed them. This is the, the disciples' rebuttal to that. They say, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. In other words, they're telling Jesus, we can't. Thank you, but we can't. That's what they're saying. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Listen to Jesus' response. Jesus replied, 
tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people sat down. Jesus, it's almost like Jesus wasn't ignoring them, but it looks like he is. The disciples are like, Jesus, I don't know if you realize we don't have very much food and we have no money to buy food. So you said feed them, but just so you know. And Jesus says, tell the people to sit down in groups of 50. Like he doesn't even address it. He doesn't say, I'm going to do this cool thing. And it's, remember, I'm Jesus. Like he doesn't do any of that. He just says, tell the, start organizing the people into groups of 50. In other words, Jesus is saying, now's the time, disciples. Your assumptions are wrong, and we're going to start challenging them right now. Watch what I can do. Now's the time. I remember several years ago, maybe you guys remember when I shared this uh, in, a, in a sermon, but uh, it was several years ago where I uh, had been convicted for several years before that that I needed to get my physical life in better health. Specifically that I needed to eat better, probably less cookies, as you guys would understand, and, and exercise more, just be more active. I'm a pretty active person, but I didn't get active to the point where I was actually physically getting healthier, okay? And so eating better and, and just exercising more. I, I felt convicted of that, and let me tell you, it was years that I felt that way that God was convicting me of this. But I did nothing about it for years. And then finally, Laura, Laura's kind of like the Holy Spirit. She's not quite as holy as that, but there's a lot of like, we should do this, you should do this. I'm thankful for that. I am. Every now and then I'm not, but I should be. Because most of the time, She's right. And she came to me and she said, hey, my sister is starting this thing called the 21-day fix. It's this three weeks where you eat like, you change everything about what you eat. Not fun, by the way. And you exercise like crazy, right? It's three weeks of like, you just, it's like baptism by fire. You were doing this, now we're going to completely change everything you're doing right now for three weeks. 21-day fix, right? And she said, my sister's doing this. I think we should do this. And you know what my response was? I think for sure in my head, and I'm pretty sure verbally, nope. <laughs> That's a no. We're video-based workouts? Like, I'm a dude. I'm a guy. What do you want me to do? Like Richard Simmons put on the spandex? Let's do this. Woo! No, thank you. That's, I mean, that's what was going on in my head, Right? And so my first response was no. My second, just so we're clear, my second, third, and fourth response, also no, as I was thinking through it. But then God, God got a hold of me and said, you need to listen to your wife. She's telling you something that you know you should have done years ago. And you need to actually get serious about it. I didn't want to do it. It was going into the fall, which is like our busiest season of ministry and life. Like going into the fall. Are you kidding me? Side note, we were hangry a lot that fall. We, we've, our marriage survived, but let me tell you, it was like... The time was not right. It was never going to be perfect but it was perfect because the time is always now to make the changes that we're supposed to make. 
In fact, let me ask you this. You guys know I've said this before. But what is one thing that you know right now that you need to change in your life? I'm letting you think about it. I want you to have it because I bet every one of us in here have at least one, if not several, on a list. Things you know, it's been on a post-it note, it's been on your calendar, it's been in your phone, it's been in your mind for years. I should have done this years ago. What is that one thing? Now let me encourage you to do something. Start whatever that is today. Uh, Not tomorrow. You know what tomorrow will be? Too late, because you will not be thinking about this tomorrow. Start it today. Whatever it is, you needed to call that person and offer forgiveness, do it today. I just ruined your Sunday, I know. You need to start getting to bed earlier? Start tonight. You need to start reading your Bible? Open it today and leave it open. Let me encourage you, one of the best ways to get into the Bible, leave it open wherever you go to bed, wherever you eat your breakfast, whatever it is, leave the Bible open and then just keep reading from where you left off the day before. In fact, let me, let me suggest this. And I've said this before too. If you had just found out that you only have a few months left to live, if you just found that out, seriously, think about this. What would you do? What are the things you would say? Who are the people you would definitely see, you would spend time with, you would talk to? What would you do in your relationship with God? What would you make sure is right if you only had a few months left to live? What would you do? Now let me suggest this. You have that in your brain? Seriously, get it in there. Now I'm gonna ask you this next question. Why aren't you doing that now? If it's that important at the end of your life, then it's important to do now. Why do we wait until we're almost out of time to do the things that we know we should have done? Don't procrastinate. Start now. All right, last one. Third thing, if we want to grow, we need to realize that growth comes from being uncomfortable. Oh, we love this one. Man, this one's so good. I love being uncomfortable, right? Uh, now, now, there are some weird ones out there. I know some of you, you like working out because you like the whole lactic acid pain in your muscles. You're weird, just so that we're clear. No criticism or anything, no judgment, but you're weird, all right? Like, I, I get it. Like, I, I know kind of that whole, like, swollen feel, like, after you lift weight, you're like, whoa, yeah. I, just so that we're clear, you don't look different right afterwards, Right? Now, if you did that for several months, yes, your muscles will grow. Good job. But, right, you're not swole because you feel swole, right? It's just, it's just a thing. But the truth is that we don't like pain. We don't like pain. We don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like dealing with things that make us feel awkward. It's kind of like when Jesus dug in with the disciples, right? I mean, Jesus says, you feed them. There was this awkward moment where the disciples were like, what? What? 
And all the people are like, what are the disciples going to do? There's, it was uncomfortable, right? And then just think about this. Do you, do you notice, you remember what Jesus did? Jesus took the food, he blessed it, and then he handed it to the disciples and said, okay, start handing out the food. Talk about uncomfortable. Yeah, so you've got five loaves of bread and two fish, and, and you've got these groups of 50, thousands of people, and the disciples are going like taking the, I'm sure, they're taking the food and they're going, this isn't even going to get through the first group. Like, what does Jesus expect us to do? This is really weird. We're just supposed to trust him? Take a piece, make sure it's a small piece. <laughs> right? Because it's like, I'm not even going to get through the first 50, let alone the thousands. What was Jesus doing? He was making them uncomfortable. He's saying, trust me, you will grow if you simply step outside of your comfort zone and take a risk. Growth can only happen outside of things that we don't already know, don't already do, things that we're not sure of. You can't get stronger by lifting the same exact amount of weight. You can stay the same, but you can't get stronger. You have to lift more. There's no way that your relationships are going to get better if you don't step outside of your, your comfort zone and get more transparent, get more vulnerable, and share what's really going on. You will not get better until you step out of the comfort zone. You just, you can't. You literally, it's impossible. You will not grow until you get outside of what you normally do. Many of you know that Northridge Church did not start with Sunday morning worship services. That's not, we didn't start with this. We couldn't start with this. We had three adults and two kids, my kids, <laughs> and Jackson was four years old and Hannah was not even two years old at the time. And then we grew to eight adults which was awesome. But then we, said, we were praying and we were seeking and we were talking in teams and we we're asking, what does God want us to do? How in the world do we do this? How do we start this? And so God got really clear with us. He said, start with what you know, but I want you to do something that's going to be uncomfortable because it's not how any church starts and it's not going to seem right. But I want you to start with children's ministry. Okay, that's weird. And so we called up the village center. This was that first, this is, we just named the church Northridge Church. We didn't, we literally didn't know anything else. And we, we contacted the village center and said, hey, we want to book 10 weeks every Wednesday night for 10 weeks from 7 to 8.30 at night. And we're going to do a kids ministry there. Okay, sounds good. You can rent the rooms for that. Absolutely. Here's the charge. You know, here's the, here's the cost, whatever. Okay, cool. So we rented it for 10 weeks. And we planned it, we got games, we figured out the curriculum, we figured out the lessons, we did all that stuff. And, and then it came to, you know, Tuesday before that first Wednesday night. We put out a promo to the whole, you know, the whole village. Nobody knows who we are. We're calling it Northridge Kids. And I'm sure every person in the, who, what's Northridge Kids? Who's Northridge? And we put this out there. And so Tuesday night, I can tell you, and I've mentioned this before, I, I didn't sleep well. Because it was uncomfortable. And you know what I was thinking about? I don't think I've shared this part. You know what my thoughts were? My thoughts were, what if only one kid shows up and that kid is my son because he has to be there? 
By the way, he was four years old. He was barely made the cutoff. Hannah couldn't even come because we started at four years old up to fifth grade. So I knew Jackson was going to be there. But, but seriously, I thought, what if we do all this stuff? We set up the games. We get everything ready to go. And Jackson shows up and like one other kid. How am I going to face my team and say, I believe God is in this. God's got this. I was worried, to be honest. But what's really cool is when we step out of our comfort zone, God is faithful. When we step out of our comfort zone, God is faithful. You know what God did? We got there that Wednesday, and it was kind of quiet. And then a couple kids showed up, a couple kids showed up, a few more kids showed up. God brought 26 children that first Wednesday night. Blew our assumptions and our expectations out of the water. And we realized, yeah, we're over our head because God is in this. There's an author named Robert Brault. He says this. It is generally a more productive day when you learn something from life rather than try to teach it something. That is good. In fact, you know what I want to do real quick? I want to change a couple of words in his quote. I want to just change life to God. Let me read it that way. It is generally a more productive day when you learn something from God rather than try to teach God something. I believe God wants us to grow. I believe he wants to challenge our assumptions. And I believe he wants us to start doing whatever those things are now. Let me just say, if you're waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect time, stop waiting. You're fooling yourself. Now's the time. God is calling. Will you lean in? Will you assume less? And as a result, learn more. Let's pray. Lord, it is hard to hear sometimes questions that deal with our life. It's sometimes hard to face the truth when we ask questions like, how, how am I doing in my prayer life? How, how am I doing at loving my spouse? How am I doing at leading my children? How am I doing at being honest at work? How am I doing when nobody else is around? How faithful am I? How, how trustworthy am I when nobody else sees what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying? It's sometimes hard, God, to face the assumptions, the, the things that we thought were true about us or about others. And when we face them, we realize, ah, we're a little off. But God, I know that in the midst of that, 
you speak and you whisper to us and you say, you are a child of God. See the truth, face the truth, but now let's walk in the truth. Walk with me, Jesus says. When we speak your name, Jesus, when we speak Jesus into and and through and out of our faith, when we speak your name, Jesus, when we call on you, you are faithful to respond. You are faithful to be there with us. And you challenge, you help us challenge the things that are false, the things that are not right in our life. And you challenge us and you call us to greater, to better, to learn, to grow, to take risks, to step out of our comfort zone and step into faith. A life where we walk with you. Lord, challenge us, move us to assume less to be willing to learn more, to grow in our faith and in our life. Help us to speak your name. Help us to call to you for the things we need. I pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.